Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Hello and welcome back. This is episode 38 of Hashtag Gen Z. If you tuned in last episode, you know we've officially kicked off season four and we're starting off by exploring culture and Generation Z. In our research, we look at generational culture through the lens of events and movements in society that shape a cohort's values, behaviors, and perspectives. In my mind, a generational cohort draws many parallels to the culture that various identity groups hold. Understanding and celebrating culture makes life richer and meaningful. However, in the generational space, cohort culture is often included in the commentary and narrative about negative stereotypes. Example, any headline that says millennials are killing XYZ industry or young people can't buy homes because they buy too many lattes and avocado toast. These headlines point out a component of culture, but they don't go much further to understand and empower the differences in culture among generational cohorts. In this episode, I'm joined by someone who I think is celebrating culture better than anyone else I know, and not just generational cohort culture, but also his personal culture and heritage. Michael Faro is the creator of Millennial Loteria, a modern update to the classic Latinx game that became a number one bestseller and sold out at every Target store in America. That's right, every Target store in America. With over 10 years of agency experience as an award-winning creative director, Mike also brings a wealth of industry knowledge and Latinx insights to all of his collaborations, including his skills as a video creator, copywriter, and graphic designer. He's really just very talented. Some of his past collaborations uh, include work for Honda, Walt Disney Pictures, DC Comics, HBO, Target, Makers Mark Whiskey, and even a special commission by President Joe Biden. So please welcome Mike to the podcast. Well, I'm so excited for today's episode. I feel like I say I'm excited for every episode, but I think I'm actually extra excited for this one because it's a little bit of a reunion. Today, I'm joined by a good friend that I actually met from college, and we've been able to reconnect over his amazing work with Millennial Loteria. We're going to talk a bit, obviously, a lot more about that in a minute, but I want to welcome my friend, Mike. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. It was so cool for you to invite me. I'm so excited because I've actually been following, um, obviously you've got just this booming online presence with the work you're doing with your Loteria games, but you're also like incredibly funny. And I feel like people like just picked up on that. I'm like, oh, y'all are like a decade behind on that because Mike's always been very funny. Um, so very delighted to have you. No pressure to be funny. Just be yourself if you need to today. But let's talk a little bit about what it is that you do. I mean, I've known you since college, which is wild to think about, but we were chatting off air, you know, our life has taken us in different directions, maybe some stuff that we studied when we were in college, but you do, what are you doing today? And tell us a bit about the journey of how you, how you got to what you're doing uh, with the work you're doing today. Yeah. So I work, I still work in advertising. I went to school for uh, advertising and public relations with a minor in television at Chapman university. And I now work uh, as a creative director at an advertising agency in LA and then I also have my side business, which is quickly becoming my main business, which is uh, a Loteria game, 
which is a board game that's traditional in Latin America. A lot of uh, Hispanic countries play Loteria, which is, uh, it's a really easy game. It's kind of like bingo. Uh, in fact, bingo came from Loteria. So it's a very similar process, but instead of numbers, it's images. And the images, a lot of them relate to Hispanic culture. So what I did was that I updated this game to be modern, to be more millennial, and now even have a Gen Z version, just to provide a representation of Latinos, that it's modern, that it's new. And that was really lacking in the, you know, out there in the market. So I saw an opportunity for this game, uh, and it's been really, really, really successful. It's now sold in Target stores nationwide. The Gen Z edition is an exclusive for Target, so they get to have that. Um, you know, you can only buy it there, which is really cool. Um, and that's what I've been, you know, doing. But yeah, game being a game like maker wasn't something that I set out to do. I just kind of fell into it. But I think I've been able to use a lot of what I learned at Chapman um, to be able to promote the game and uh, basically get a. A huge following for it so this is not a chapman plug but it does breed greatness uh no there's and it's just so funny to me they're like it's a side hustle like oh i'm sorry you are you have an exclusive with target like you're taylor swifting a little bit and like having something that it's exclusively sold at target it's wild but that is incredible i uh saw the video you posted about taking your parents to target to look at the game and i'm like sitting trying like at my house like trying not to cry because it's so amazing what you've done and what you've created both as a celebration of not only um, your personal culture and your personal heritage, but also generational culture. And we're going to kind of talk about that beautiful collision. Um, You have a Bob Ross happy accident in what you've done. And I think that there's so many people that can look at that and be like, wow, what an amazing celebration of the things that have made you you. Um, So you touched a little bit on um, what the game is. And I am proud to say we played Loteria a little bit growing up in uh, my elementary schools when we were learning about it so I've got a little bit of a background in it but you know tell us more what is your what are your loteria games how do you play it and then how did you come up with this concept I know you said you saw kind of that lack in that market but walk us through that process of and do you have that do you have recollection of that moment when you're like what if I did this yeah totally so I you know the game like I said it's a super easy game it's uh you play it with boards that have uh, 16 little cards on the board and there's a caller kind of like bingo who's pulling out cards from you know a deck of cards so it could be for our game it's like la selfie um el hipster uh you know la hashtag things that relate to millennial culture um and the images are very reminiscent of the old images of that you grew up playing loteria with um they've just been updated and so if you have those cards on your board and you're able to get four in a row kind of like bingo you yell out yes millennial loteria and win the game so it's a very easy game super simple like really easy drinking game too if you like to like take a, a sip every time you get a card so it's really fun at parties and it's super easy to pick up and um so the question oh yeah yeah. and so after that you know you kind of know that the game and you know you played it i think for me it was about bringing representation that was modern because I had my old game that I grew up in playing in Guatemala and I was actually uh, in Guatemala in 2017 the summer of that that's when it started and I found my old Loteria game and this is around the time when the Me Too movement was really like gaining traction um, and they were like the the march the the women's march was going on on TV and I remember seeing all these women like marching down the streets in, in Washington and all over the United States with their boards, you know, the, the, 
um, I don't know how you say it in English, I guess, pancartas, the, the boards that they carry, um, and basically the signs. And I was looking at my game and I saw La Dama, which is this very outdated, basically the lady. Um, and it's this outdated sort of representation of women. Uh, and I was seeing what's going on on TV and I was like, man, like if they did a Loteria nowadays, this wouldn't be La Dama, it would be La Feminist. And I was like, oh, well, that's a fun little like, you know, update to this game. I wonder if I could do another card. And so I saw El Catrin, which is the gentleman in Spanish. And he's kind of dressed kind of like a hipster, you know? So I was like, oh, that'd be funny. Nowadays, this would be El Hipster. You know, he's got his little monocle and like kind of like hipster dressed. Um, and so I thought, wow, I could probably, let me see if I could do all these cards. So I started updating each one. Um, and I just started putting him on, you know, on Facebook on for people to, for my friends, you know, from college to, to laugh at. And then I put him on Instagram uh, and it was just like a fun meme that I was doing. It wasn't something that I wanted to make a game out of. It was just, you know, a fun little side thing. I've always been, you know, doing little creative projects here and there. But it started to blow up on Instagram and I started to get, you know, a lot of followers. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, now I have like a thousand followers. That's crazy. Um, and I started getting hit up by media. There were a few outlets that reached out to me, like Me Too, Remezcla, very um, Hispanic-centric outlets uh, who wanted to chat about the project. And I did interviews, and that's when it really started to blow up. And I started to get so many followers and so many comments every time I posted a new card because I was posting each card of the deck one by one, kind of like a countdown. And people were saying, you know, when can I buy this game? Where can I get it? Where? How can I buy this? And at the time, I wasn't making a game, so I was like... I, I don't know. It's not not for sale. It's just for fun. But the response was so huge that I was like, maybe I should make it a game. And so I made the first. Uh, I invested all my savings that I had at that point from working in advertising into making the first a thousand copies of the game. And I thought that was going to last, you know, like you know, six months or five months. I thought I'm going to have to go to like little you know fairs and sell them there with my little booth or whatever. Um, but they sold out in like less than a week. Like all those thousand copies just sold out for my website and I was there packaging and like shipping like like crazy, you know, because millennials, we want things fast. So I was like, you know, had my little sweatshop going and shipping them as fast as I could. And that's when I realized, okay, there's a huge demand for a game like this out there. I need to start mass producing, mass distribution. I need to figure out how to scale this up. Um, and that was sort of the, the beginning of how this started. I love that. I'm like just sitting here smiling because I love to see when good things happen to good people. And um, I will say that I think I remember you starting because uh, we've been connected on social media for a while, like when you started to put the cards out. And I, I think that the art is beautiful on them. Like I, I love like kind of an old, like I'm always the person that like buy the old looking <laughs> piece of art. Like that's just like an old print. Like I've always loved those vintage prints. And I remember when you started putting out there, I was like, oh, those are just pretty or oh that's kind of funny like a little bit tongue-in-cheek like you've got some that are definitely cheeky and and really just I thought that was such a creative take on it and I think that the original design of like the the cards in there they're kind of like true like I would say original fashion still beautiful but what you've done like I don't know if it's you that's doing the art or if you work with an art director like I still think the cards are beautiful and so I love that it was just like that inspiration where you're like this could be for us, like this could be for our generation and taking that into account. And uh, it's just hilarious that you're like, I guess I could sell them at fairs. And then you're like, or I'll just sell them at Target. Like just 
I'll just go straight to the target. Now you're riding that rocket ship to uh, distribution. And that's just incredible. Um, I love that that inspiration moment. Again, I think that some of the most beautiful things in our life we don't we don't plan for. And I don't know if you necessarily plan for your childhood game to become your your passion. But I think it's wonderful what you're doing, how you're capturing. Um, I think it, it's, this is where my like very curious mind comes into this because I'm always, I'm more on the research side of it, of like studying the culture of a generation. Um, and, you know, you've started to be like, oh, well, this would be like La Feminista and this would be this and this would be this. But as we know, generational culture is kind of malleable and it moves relatively quickly. In some cases, it's what is like, I don't want to be like too heady, but the zeitgeist of young people in what is cool. And how have you been staying up to what is with generational culture to evolve the games. Yeah, I mean, I think you touched a little bit on the nostalgia factor of the images. Uh, that was a really big thing for me. I think nostalgia is a huge, huge driving factor in the success of this game, just because a lot of Latinos have this nostalgia for their home, nostalgia for um, you know their heritage. And so I think up I didn't want to change the game too much of Milenioteria just because I wanted to retain that feeling that you got when you played it when you were young because it's such a big motivator for us as well. Nostalgia is huge within the millennial community. And I mean, also we we love to feel young. And so anything that makes us feel young still reminds us of our childhood uh, is something that 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 moves us. I think it's a pressure point for us to, to motivate action. And so I think that was something really good for me that no matter how modern things can look and to start taking things to, to, to a modern, um, you know, not generation, but a modern take on it was very uh, important for me to keep. And so staying up to date with culture now, I do that for my job all the time. I'm always on social media. I think TikTok for me has been a really big driver into seeing what is going on with Gen Z culture specifically, because now that we have Millennial Loteria, we now have a Gen Z edition for younger generation that is different than Millennial Loteria. I mean, as you've seen, generational change happens fast. And, you know, we grew up in an era where Facebook you know, when I was going to college, Facebook was only for college students. You know, now to think how huge Facebook is now is completely different than how it was then. And I see people doing the same with, you know, with TikTok. Uh, I think to myself now, imagine if we had Uber back in college. I remember like walking around trying to get to a party where now we could have just called an Uber driver to get us there. Uh, there's some or like food now with all the food delivery services that there are. Uh, I don't have to walk all the way down to Taco Bell. We could have just ordered it to our room. And so I'm thinking of all these different generational changes that now younger people have um, that we didn't have and how that sort of impacts, um, you know, culture. So it's definitely all about staying up to date with, with social media. That's been a huge driver of, because that's where our, our market is really. They're all on social media. And that's where all of our advertising happens as well. Yeah, it's just like, I guess the one benefit of going to college before Uber was a thing is like we all stayed pretty fit because we walked everywhere and we were like, we don't money to buy a taxi. You're out of your mind. Like, uh, no, we were just like, we're going to walk everywhere, which was totally fine. But yes, it's it's that that definite like you can see that dissonance point of the difference in the vantage point. And that's really where like our work, like my work with the research side of it comes in is like, where do we find that vantage point and how do we start to quantify it? Um, but I really love what you're doing to to celebrate the difference in vantage points and how you kind of peer into that. Um, I know you mentioned that you're using social media quite a bit to kind of capture, you know, what is, I don't want to say the vibe with uh, the young people today, because I believe that's a term they would use. But um, 
to what level do people on social media help influence that? Is there ways that they are like, hey, you should make this card or you should include this in the next one? Or are you just kind of, as what I would say, a lurker? Not in a weird way, but like, are you just kind of like observing or is there feedback channels that you use to source some information? You know, I think I really, I definitely try not to use any ideas that come from people because it's such a personal work for me. I still try to keep something, everything relates to my life. Everything relates to what I do. There's a story behind every single card of how it sort of came to my mind. Um, But for this new Gen Z edition, uh, I definitely, it was very inspired by TikTok trends. What was trending on TikTok at the moment? You know, um, from 2020, when I joined the platform, I'm, I'm up to like 260,000 followers on there. And I've been using all like, you know, the, the, the feedback I get from things that I do that are, you know, post videos. And if people think it's funny, I was like, okay, there's a, there's something there for me to, to vibe off of, but it's mostly reacting. I post the cards on social media before they were actually, you know, printed out. And so I can test a little bit of the vibe of which ones are getting the more likes, which ones are getting the more comments, which ones are people reacting to. And that's sort of how I'm getting a little bit more of the feedback. It's not really the idea, the original idea for the cards. Like it does not come from people, but I definitely do see, okay, we should include this one in the game or this one. Maybe we should just like post it on social and that's where it lives because it didn't get enough traction. And so that's where we're, um, where I'm sort of coming from with uh, getting feedback from people. And it's been helpful. And I do, you know, with Facebook or with TikTok, it's really easy to get perspective from other people because it's not people you follow. It's really just random people popping up on your FYP and you you don't feel like you're lurking. You just feel like your FYP is just showing you things. And then that's when I get a little bit of the ideas for, you know, uh, this new Loteria has like El Dance Trend or El Thirst Trap, El E-Boy, La Activist, El ASMR, um, you know, El Canceled, La Red Flag. These are all things that come from current pop culture. You said like 14 words where I was like, this must be on the TikTok because I don't know half of them. And I might need you to be my like TikTok guide because I'm so I'm like still there. Like we're three years into it and I'm still like scared. Like I have my handle, but I'm scared. Uh, I will say that I'm very intimidated by that platform. Uh, So I think it's incredible that you've been in that space and been able to observe. I feel like we do similar work, but our outputs are so different because mine's just like stats and numbers. Yours seems a lot more fun. Um, But, you know, as a millennial, you've created this game for Generation Z. You know, you've talked about how the how you've utilized a platform that has so much ownership of Gen Z on it. Um, I'm curious, I, I imagine because it's kind of like, it's like a respect, uh, recognizes respect kind of situation with Gen Z that if you kind of level with them, like they still welcome you in. Um, but there is this element that Gen Z loves to set the tone and, and share their voice. So how have you worked with Generation Z? I know that you share a little bit about like you do have an intern or staff member that's Gen Z, but um, you know, how are some ways that you've been working with Generation Z to make sure that their their voice is adequately and accurately represented within the game and that it is aligning with them? Well, it's called the game is called Millennial Loteria and Gen Z edition. So there is that little bit of um it was a, from a branding standpoint, it was a little bit more complicated to figure out how to do it because I wanted it to be still something that millennials could play um, and that could learn from each other. But at the same time, Gen Z felt they could have ownership over it. So it was a little bit of a, a back and forth in figuring out what, how much do you make fun of Gen Z? How much do you like uh, make Gen Z a little bit more aspirational? 
And I think that's the same with uh, the good with millennial teria is that there's some cars that make fun of millennials and some cars that really make them lift them up in, in an aspirational way. Uh, and some that talk about issues that affect them. So the beauty is that we have so many cards, you know, it's a 42, a 46 uh, card deck. So every single card can have a different point of view. It doesn't have to be one sort of point of view. So I think for me, having that much, uh, many different cards has allowed us to create a product that's not monolithic in terms of how we view the culture um, and provide different uh, options and opinions for people. There would be maybe somebody who relates to six cards, maybe somebody who relates to 10 cards, maybe somebody who only relates to one, um, but there's something there for you. So that's sort of what has helped us out because when you're doing a, a project for generations that are so diverse, like especially Gen Z, you have to have different points of view in your output. I mean, we have a card in our Gen Z that's like Los Tide Pods that's making fun of like gen, that Gen Z trend that was like, oh, Gen Z's eating Tide Pods, you know? Uh, but there's also other trends out there that is like the activists that talk really about the activism behind Gen Z that and shows that, you know, generations aren't just one thing where there's positive things about us, there's negative stuff about us. And I think Gen Z really appreciates there's an honesty behind that kind of work. Um, and Gen Z, just like millennials, we can laugh at ourselves and we can also know when it's time to be serious. We're not one thing. And I think that's why this game has been able to, to, to connect to so many people because anyone can look at it and find some cars that really speak to, to them and their generation. I think that's amazing. And with, yes, I think what's so funny about that is that is truly like the tact of millennials or of just like generational stereotypes is like some of them are funny and then some of them we like seriously need to pay attention to like we can't think about this generate like with we can't think about gen z without crediting them with like such gargantuan efforts around activism like it's amazing like i was like i'm millennial i care about stuff from the comfort of my home and gen z's like out in the streets and i'm like man making me look lazy um but that is absolutely true like there is that fine line of when is it funny and when is it empowering and when is it a little bit of both um i might start prescribing this game uh this special edition to my people that are now millennial managers and they're like i need to learn gen z i'm like why don't you play this with your gen z student that you supervise or your Gen Z new employee, because maybe this will help you get on their page. Uh, because there is that there's that cultural value piece of it of like, this is what me and my peers think is funny, or this is the term we're using. And if they use a term, you're like, I would have never guessed that that's the term they're using. It almost makes an older generation feel like you're a dummy. But that's not the case. It's just we're getting to means by different avenues. Um, I love that that you're that you're being intentional and saying like we can poke a little bit of fun, but we can also say like here's some great things that each generation does. Yeah, it does. It. I don't want it to be the games are never supposed to be like preachy or in any way like um, there has to be an element of fun, of tongue in cheek, of surprise, of uh, you know, of being like oh no, they didn't do this one card, you know, oh my god, that's so like you know out there. Uh, so I think there has to be some of those feelings because. Um, for our generation, uh, we are used to, you know, millennials, we grew up getting so much crap from people. We grew up just hearing so many stereotypes about us um, that that really pushed Millennial Loteria to be where it is because it is a game that celebrates us in all our ways from our good to our bad. Um, and it's, it's, it feels honest because of that. It's not something that you would see and you're like, oh, this is just like millennials trying to make themselves look good. There's an element of like, I'm not, I'm just reflecting culture. And that was a bigger thing because people also with 
changing a game of Loteria, which is a beloved game you grew up playing, there is that risk of people getting upset um, of like you're changing culture. But I think for me, I've always told people, like, I'm not changing culture. Culture's already changed. All I'm doing is reflecting it. Um, how we are, we're not our parents. There's absolutely no millennial out there who thinks they're exactly like their parents and they have the same beliefs. They have the same um you know, uh, views on certain things. And the same can be said for Gen Z. And there is that generational gap that these games can fill uh, because Millennial Loteria was really played by millennials with older generations too. So when you play with your grandpa or your mom or dad, I think you could see them being like, not get like, what's a hashtag, you know, or like what's gender fluid. And so at some points when you're playing the game, millennials have to explain to their parents or their older peers what certain terms mean and there's like that that exchange of ideas and people can learn from each other and that was something that's really beautiful about millennial loteria game that you can explain to your parents that okay yeah this is what tinder is you know this is what uh all these other things that were on there and they get to learn from from you uh which was in a way how we played loteria growing up because there were certain things in loteria that were so outdated for me even when i was a kid that i would ask my dad like what is las jaras what does that mean and they would kind of teach me about this older generation, older things. And with Gen Z, there is that new way of doing it where you can play with Gen Z person, teaching a millennial, okay, here's what chugi means. You know, here's what, uh, what ASMR means for me or how important that is in my life. Uh, and you get that exchange of ideas. So it's a really good way to start a conversation with somebody of a different generation and learn from each other. Yeah, it's going to be my new prescription to everyone, really, uh, because, you know, what you've just described is the the component that I really like work with usually older generations of being like, how do I create harmony? And it's a willingness to learn, like truly, it's a willingness to learn from a younger generation and think like, just because I'm older, I, I know everything like that's such a damaging thought um, in how we get those generational rifts. And I think that what you've given is a really like fun tool. I don't know if it's in like necessarily was the first reason you created it, but a fun tool for, I would say, cross-generational harmony to, to exist and allow for people to connect in and to talk about things that are relevant to young people or are relevant to a generation and important to that culture without it being like, well, let me tell you about how like ridiculous avocado toast is or whatever the thing is that we're bagging on somebody about these days. And it puts it in this frame of like, well, we're just playing a game as a family. And I think that that's really beautiful. Um, a really beautiful thing that you've created for people. You've allowed um, people to bond over something that's fun, but also meaningful. And I think that that is uh, whether, again, whether it was a happy accident or just the universal calling you to do it, I think that what you've provided for people is, is something really special. Yeah, I mean, yes, you're like doing such incredible stuff with this. And again, I, I think that there, this is, if, if anything, it is a, not only a visually stunning game, I think that the the artwork is beautiful, but the way in which it celebrates culture, um, both your personal heritage, the heritage of Latina people, as well as your age culture and the identity that you bring into that, the Gen Z that you bring into that. It's really, I think that you've created a model for, um, and I've, I've shared about it with other people that are like, who's doing a good job at like sharing culture well? And I'm like, oh, actually check out this game. Um, because I think what you're doing is you're allowing other people to appreciate and come into your culture, come into culture of a generation um, in a way that is informative, it's celebratory, but it's reclaiming the things that matter and sharing those values. And um, you're doing so in a way that people 
people can respectfully engage. And I think that's that's so important. Um, so that's me being a huge fan over here. Um, and I'm really excited to see where this takes you. I think that you're really onto something and it, it's important. So I always have one last question because this is a Gen Z focused podcast and we're just a bunch of two millennials sitting around being old people. Um, but I know that you work with Gen Z uh, and you are on their favorite platform. So I know you engage with them in a number of ways. And this might be hard for a hard question for you, but what is your favorite thing about the Gen Z that you engage with and that you work with? Um, for me, it's that they are incredibly curious about other cultures. Um, it is a very different take on other generations uh, where you sort of focused on your own culture and your own, uh, you know, your own people, I guess. Uh, even with who you're friends with, who you're relating with, this Gen Z generation is incredibly the most diverse generation there's ever been. And so it's only normal that they are attracted to people of different races than their different cultures and it's that willingness to be open and be learning from other cultures and not being like my culture is the best but also realizing that there's so many things about other different cultures that are amazing and they need to be celebrated and you want to learn from them to me that's been my favorite thing it's um you know they loteria we made this game obviously open to having different people from different places. It, for the longest time, it's just been a Latino game, but I think Millennial Loteria and Gen Z Loteria has opened up the floodgates for other people from whether you're Black or um, you know Asian or white too, that you can play this game and it's acceptable for you to come into this space, celebrate our culture, be part of it um, and, and learn from it. And I think that's been my favorite thing that they're just so open and not just open, but they really do seek out purposely go out of the way to find stuff from other cultures that is interesting and fun and um, worthy of being celebrated. That's really one of the biggest things I see from, from Gen Z. That's really cool. I agree with you. I think that they do. Um, again, I don't want to give like them a, a completely umbrella review, but I do think that this idea of, um, respecting and celebrating other cultures and learning is something that they do very well um and in a manner that is i think reverent um to other to other cultures without being appropriative we all know that like that's the situation that they're especially mindful of i mean they don't always 100 get it right it's hard for anyone to 100 get it right all the time being a human's hard but i think that they are especially conscious of that and that's something that is they don't get enough credit for i think it's a lot of people just be like oh gen z is diverse they know how to be diverse like there's still the learning elements of being diverse while also being respectful and um and and being mindful and conscious of other cultures so uh i agree with you i think that that's a really good take on the ways that they're not only being diverse themselves but celebrating that diversity well, Mike, this has been such a fun conversation. Um, I have absolutely loved watching this kind of journey unfold for you and the ways uh, this quote side hustle um, has really been a huge part of, you know, both your online presence and what you're doing in life. But uh, the way you're bringing people together, the way that you're celebrating culture, uh, I think is just so wonderful. And I can't speak highly enough even like I just am just so proud of you and everything that you're doing but thank you for being here and sharing a little bit more about your work that you've been working on with the games um and how you've been kind of engaging in your own uh generational culture studies yourself 
yeah, follow us on Millennial Loteria on TikTok and Instagram and get our game at Target. It's really fun. Yeah, it, yeah, get your game at Target. Like just wild stuff. That's amazing. Yes, I'll be sure to include links um, and uh, be able to sh- share tags and everything so you can follow along with Mike um, and his really honestly very humorous journeys uh, with the games. I thousand percent I encourage it. So thank you again, Mike. It was wonderful to chat. I want to thank Mike for joining me in this episode. While I've known Mike for a while, it's been absolutely incredible to watch this journey unfold for him. He's worked to bring to life art and a game that truly celebrates culture in a meaningful and relevant way. The Loteria games celebrate not only his Guatemalan heritage and the childhood experiences he had playing Loteria with his family growing up, but they also provided an important update that showcases generational cohort culture while encouraging productive dialogue across generations. The Loteria games create a space for generational cohorts to celebrate and feel empowered about the aspects of their cohort culture that make them an important group in our society, while also poking a little fun. And I think that's the perfect summary of why people love talking about generations. It's fun to create connection and meaning about your cohort's vantage point on society. Whether it's trends of the time or underlying motivations and perspectives, each generation brings something special to the table. Going beyond the headlines allows us to see generational culture with more clarity and build stronger relationships within and across generations. So again, thank you, Mike. Your insights and your take on generational culture is something we can all learn from. And be sure to follow Mike on social media at Millennial Loteria and check out his games online at MillennialLoteria.com. You can also find his games at Target. Be sure to pick up your set soon. And thank you for tuning into this episode. As always, If you enjoyed this show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is not only to help me improve the podcast, but it helps other listeners find the show. I have some more great episodes on deck where we'll continue to explore culture and Generation Z. However, if there's something you want to learn about, I'll happily be the one to help make that happen. So if you have something you want to share or a topic you'd like me to explore, please reach out via my website, meganmgrace.com, or on social media. Thank you again for stopping by for this episode. Let's continue this conversation. We'll chat soon. So you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.